Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Journey from Dude to Dad. I'm Kyle Mickle, and my dad is the host. His name is Mike, and he is far from being a dude. He's been a dad for 21 years. He has me to thank for that. He's joined by his friend Kevin Walker, who is also pretty far removed from dudeness. After all, he's so old, he went to college with my mom. Anyway, they definitely know about dad stuff, and they will have plenty of dudes joining them. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey from Dude to Dad podcast. I'm Kevin Walker, along with my co-host Mike Mickle. We are at Caddy's Sports Bar and Grill in Bettendorf, as we so often are when we record these episodes. Today, our guest is Michael Carton. He's a father. He's a husband. He also works for WQPT, Quad Cities Public Television. Michael, welcome to the show. Michael is a monthly contributor to QC Family Focus magazine as well. He does a great job of talking about his life as a dad and then also tying in WQPT, which is where he's employed, and I love that, and we love WQPT as well. Let's start with your journey, first of all. You have one older son from a previous marriage. That's correct. He's seven years old now, almost eight. Next month he'll be eight, starting second grade here in a week. So You know, the next podcast we have, Michael, he's going to be graduating. Just so you <laughs> right. know, that's how it works. It's just that fast, just that fast. And then twins. Yeah, about 10 months ago, we, we added two more boys to our to our family, so they're, they're grown like weeds, and but we can't can't complain at all about them. They're, they're amazing kids and two totally different personalities already. Really? Yeah, absolutely. One is, Jacob is uh, the one we like to say who's just unimpressed. He just sits and looks at us and, you know, doesn't, <laughs> you know, react to much. And then Jacob, or I'm sorry, Andrew is just all over the place, trying to move everywhere, climb over everything. And When you first found out that you were having twins, like in that moment, was it shock? Was it excitement? Was it, what am I going to do? It was a little bit of all of that. Actually, uh, I had joked with my wife for about a month before we knew for sure. I said, we're going to have triplets. It's going to be awesome. We're going to get all of them out of the way right then and there. And oh my. Just joked about it for a month straight and... And then we found out by going in for the ultrasound, and they said, oh, so you're, you knew you were having two. And we're like, what? <laughs> no, we didn't know that, but I guess that's better than three. So <laughs> She still gave you the death stare, didn't she? She did. <laughs> that's awesome. So, you know, you were single parenting for a while before I was. the second marriage. I was. What was that like? You know, it, it was a challenge for sure, you know, going through the divorce and and being a single dad and him being with me most of the time um it was a challenge but at the same time it was great to have him with me during that time if that makes sense you know I had somebody to at least talk to at home every night and even though it was about stuff that he would see on tv or stuff that would happen at preschool at least I could talk to somebody at at the end of the day and, and hang out with him and he was still with me so it would be a loss there, but I, at the same time, I wonder if it strengthened your bond with him because you two were going through this together. I think it absolutely did. Like, for sure, the the day that it happened, when I came home and found a note on the wall. Like, it was, you know, it was almost like he could tell, even though he was three years old, he could tell that he just needed to be there for me. And it was, it was awesome to have him just give me a hug at the end of the, that, that day, so... It is amazing how in tune they are with our needs, just like we want to be in tune with theirs. They know when something's not right, and most of the time they want to fix it. Absolutely. And he still is that way. You know, seven, almost eight years old now, he still can read people's feelings and emotions a lot of the time, and, and 
some days he doesn't care about others and you know but at the same time uh, there's a lot of days where he, he's looking out for his brothers he wants to entertain them he wants to read uh, read to them and all that good stuff so the empathy that a child shows to go off that i have a five-year-old from my second marriage and she can be very empathetic but you're right at the same time there are days where she just doesn't care I'm not interested in any of that. Well, the day before, she would be empathetic that dad just cut his finger slicing up onions for dinner. And the next day, she's like, you're getting it all over the counter, dad. What's going on? I mean, she just, it is amazing. And a lot of times I find that it is maybe based on what kind of day she's having or, but I'm also amazed at that age, how intellectual a five-year-old can be when it comes to feelings or sensing what another human being, whether if if mom is in a bad mood or dad has had a bad day she can really sense that. And it's sometimes that's amazing to me that at that age, you think they're all just wants to watch curious George or, you know, pinkalicious on, I mean, my daughter will sit and watch PBS programming from the minute we get up to the minute she go to bed. If we'd let her, she would eat Doritos and watch the whole lineup. I mean, but other times I'm like, wow, she's really starting to think for herself or show that emotion that you don't think is possible in a five-year-old. That's a great trait to have, though, too. True. You know, when, when you can see their heart really start to shine through and it's not all about them, that's just always a proud parenting moment. And I have now seen it as my kids have grown. And the line that I like to use now is, you know, I knew that I would always love the three of you because you're mine, but I really like you. I like the adults that you have become. I like hanging out with you. You're just good people. And that's a really good feeling. That starts early, too. It does, absolutely. But you have to like the fact that he said that Camden wants to watch PBS. She's not a big Sesame Street lover, but she loves Wild Kratz. She loves Pinkalicious. She likes um, this new Molly of Denali show. She thinks she sings that around the house now. I'm almost sad that she's going to go to kindergarten because she's like just now really. And she, instead of like when she was two or three and it would occupy her and teach her a few things, now she watches it and she pays attention to the storyline. If Curious George loses the man with the yellow hat's hat, she gets upset. It's funny how you think that watching that kind of educational programming for a child is just to kind of keep them occupied and to show them something there's a lot more to it that I think if you don't really pay attention to it that you don't see. There definitely is. Like the whole premise of um, Furious George is, is to teach kids STEM, st- STEM skills, mm-hmm. like engineering and technology type of skills. And um, most people don't realize that. Molly Denali is teaching them the language arts skills. The Pinkalicious is teaching them the arts and, and creativity wow. skills. And every show that's on PBS is designed that way to teach certain learning skills. It's amazing. I used to like to watch the kids watch the shows and just see their reaction and stuff. And of course, now Kyle, 21, we had VHS tapes that we would, you know, pop in for him with Sesame Street. And it, he had one in particular that he always knew that when it was coming to an end. And when the next, next to the last song started playing, he would start crying because he knew then the next one was it and his tape was going to be over. Uh, and, I mean, they grew up on Sesame Street mm-hmm. and Elmo. And, you know, and I, we still smile when we see those characters because That's it true. takes us back to when they were, you know, this tall. Uh, it's amazing how many children PBS has helped raise over the years. Absolutely. And, I mean, you think about it, you're watching it, them watch it. And 
that's what we want to see from parents is to watch the shows with their kids so that you can talk about the show afterwards. We don't want them to sit there and watch TV all day, every day. Even though it's educational and it is safe and it's good for them, it's, we don't want them to watch that much. We do want them to still get outside and you know, explore the outdoors. The only issue I have so far with Molly of Denali is now my five-year-old wants to go to Alaska. Probably <laughs> need to call a travel agent. They hear everything and they have no filter when they are that age. Mm-hmm. That used to happen a lot with the Mitchell children. <laughs> Some would argue that at times Matt still doesn't have a filter at almost 17 years old. He still just kind of says whatever's on his mind and he's just absolutely outrageous. In so, his own way, that's refreshing though. For it you. is. You know, I said, and maybe it was part of the parenting because we got a little more relaxed with each child. Kyle is very responsible. And just he was he was really just overall just an easy child. He wanted his downtime, but he wanted activity as well and his balance. Kate's been a little hyperactive but just very driven and you know and and knowing that she wanted to do certain things and she could be very independent. And then you have Matt, who is just this free spirit that's just all over the place and he can't just hang out with one friend he needs to hang out with 23 the group yeah i mean Mm -hmm. he's just he's got to have that socialization all the time they all have good hearts matt is the one that shows it the most i mean at you know six foot two and 170 pounds and he still will come up to me and give me a hug you know on a daily basis and he just is his personality is just much different than uh his older siblings. What makes me wonder how Camden will, her personality will change. I see some changes already. And I have an 18 year old from my first marriage who's going to Loyola next week. And she's very different. I know it's like, and Mike and I've known each other long enough that I remember when his boys weren't six to 175 pounds. And he remembers when Caitlin wasn't going to college. It's just, it's funny how fast time goes yet. Like for me and Mike and I've had this conversation before. I don't know how long it was between your first marriage and your second marriage, I find that so much of my time with my second daughter, because I'm with her 100% of the days, it isn't three days, one week and four days the next or every other weekend. I feel like, cause my first wife and I, we were separated by the time my older daughter was three and a half and then we got divorced. It took like a year to go through the divorce and all that. So at five years old, I've already spent more time with my five-year-old than I ever did with my older daughter who now lives in Dubuque, which is where I'm from in those 10 or 12 years. And I spent a lot of time with her being self-employed. I can visit her as much as I want. I have family there. It amazes me how much more in tune I feel like I am with my second daughter, partly because I literally am there for almost every moment of her life where I wasn't, I was there as much as I could be with my first daughter. And with technology, we, you know, she FaceTimed me this morning when she got up and, and it's, you can still be in touch, but it is, there's something about just, quality time with a child that can't be that it, it is something that you can't really quantify as far as what it does for the, your parent child relationship. So true. I, I think about it. I spent all that time. He, Michael was the uh, only son, essentially, you know, he was the only kid and I got to spend all my time with him. Now with the twins, they need a whole lot more attention and they're, you know, need to get fed with a bottle and then they need to eat their rice cereal and then they to get changed and before you know it the night's over and I didn't get to spend nearly as much time with Michael as I'd love to but you know he's at that point where he's so much more independent he doesn't 
necessarily want to spend all that time that I'd like to spend with him anyway. He wants to be outside playing, and he wants to be riding his bike and doing those types of things. So for me, it's I think it's almost harder for me than it is for him. To there is that, and it it continues. You know, Kyle is Kyle is home more than Matt is or Kate. You know, Kate came home for the summer. She went to Peru on a mission trip, so she was gone for ten days, and then. Uh, she was a manager at DCC, and so she was working long hours. And before I knew it, it was time for her to go back to college. And when she went yesterday, I was like, how can – I feel like I've seen you for 15 minutes this summer. And so now I'm scheduling trips to go to Monmouth <laughs> so I can just have dinner with her and have some one-on-one time with her. I think we got to go to lunch once, maybe twice this entire summer together, and she was just on the go all the time. Kyle's got his own thing, and he's going back to University of Iowa tomorrow – and this is his last semester in college. And then he's going to try to get a job in baseball and, and move off somewhere. And to me, I just can't. I mean, he was gone for three months for that internship. And that was a really tough three months for me. I can't imagine loading up that U-Haul and watching him drive away to go to wherever that job's going to take him. But that's where we are now. And I think that somewhere along the way, they try to prepare you for that, becoming a little more independent with each passing year. Right. Did you ever, like when they were growing up, did you ever envision that all my kids are going to go to college and then they're going to move back to the Quad Cities and live here their whole lives? Or did, from the beginning, were you always like, someday they're going to move on and move, and move away? Um, no, I never wanted to face that fact. I mean, I, I thought that they would probably go to college. They would do something. But in, in my perfect world, they were going to come back here and you know, they'd grown up here and they have tremendous friends here and they've gone to school since kindergarten with some of, some of their friends. And I thought, oh, they'll... Uh, they'll come back here. They'll all, I'll have the grandkids near me. So, and with Kyle, that's just not going to be possible if he stays in this profession. True. I think my ex-wife will have a much harder time when Caitlin goes to college next week because she lives with mom five days a week, sometimes more. I'm used to being away from her. I can go three weeks without physically being in the same room with her and still talk to her every day. And it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. So college will be like, Hey, I want to go to a Cubs game. I'm going to go to Chicago, pick up my daughter. We're going to spend the day together. I think mom will have a lot harder time. And I think for me having that joint shared custody when she was little and with us getting separated and divorced when we, she wasn't 12 when it happened. So I had so much time to get used to that. I think it makes me even more appreciative of my situation with my daughter Camden because my wife is a school teacher. I have a kindergartner and I have a freshman in college and I can't wait for all three of them to get out of the house. I'm like, go back to work, go to school, go to college. I am so ready to be able to just work through a whole day in my home office without having to go to the park. I'm not that, and it sounds terrible. I don't, it's not like I don't love those things, but then I'm up till midnight working because I can't get anything done during the daytime. But I love that time with my family. And I'm like, August is always like, it's almost back to normal. It's almost back to normal. You know, it's funny that you say that because as a writer, you know, when I'm working on the next documentary, and you can't write a documentary when you're being interrupted every five to seven minutes by someone coming in and talking to you in the house. You've got to have a significant amount of time to focus on it and listen to the sound from the interviews and have the story make sense. And it is almost impossible because, and I love the time with them, um, but in addition to the kids, as I've said, with Matt and you know, and even with the others, uh, we have all these extra kids that we love too, and they, you know, 
many of them call us mom and dad and that just it warms my heart and having some of them over the other night and they were sitting around the fire pit with kyle i just had to sit back and just watch it and just enjoy that moment and and seeing the others come over too uh, i love summer and i love uh christmas when they all come home but you're right productivity goes Suffers. way down yeah, with it really communications, does. especially in the documentaries, because I just, I have to have time to focus and there's just not that time. Well, Michael, do you find with twins, just because it's like, it's not one diaper, it's not one feeding. I can't imagine that, is it really twice as much work or are you just always on where something's always happening? You know, it seems like we're just always on. <laughs> and when I say we, I'm talking about my wife and me, because mm-hmm. luckily I've got an amazing partner who helps out just as much, if not more than me for for sure. So, you know, it definitely we're always on. It's either I'm washing bottles and she's you know, changing diapers or you know, I'm feeding the boys and she's doing laundry because they spit up or something. <laughs> you know, it, it, we're both always on, but I can't even imagine what it'd be like by myself. And, yeah. and then just not finding time for you know, work stuff and, and getting your own personal stuff done. You want to have time for her too you know, well yeah date night i mean having time that's, just to spend together you're right i mean i mean granted being a new parent is always i mean i think the marriage takes a little bit of a backseat and you recognize that but then it also sometimes is like hey wait a minute we haven't had date night in five weeks should we just go to subway and then it becomes like the date night even becomes less less romantic <laughs> or less it is like can we just like do something together in the same room and we'll call it date night Sure. Okay. Let's see what's on Netflix. Well, or let's, you know, it almost becomes one more thing that you feel like you have to schedule. So instead yes. of it being yeah. this moment where you just say, ah, everybody's gone. It's just me and you. It's okay. How do we carve out time for this date? What are we going to go? When are we going to go do dinner? I mean, it's, Who's it's like watch the kids. Yeah. You're putting mm-hmm. it in your schedule. You're putting it in your planner, which, you know, kind of takes away takes some of the romance sweetness I guess. of it. Yeah. So I completely get that. You know, and I can remember when we, um, we had our boy, we had our girl, and and Karen really wanted to be done, and I'm the one that pushed for the third. And the minute we found out that we were pregnant with Matthew, and we told our family, they said, well, you might as well have six. What? Well, um, because by the time you have three, you're outnumbered anyway. Doesn't matter how many more you have after that. Well, I beg to differ, because Matt is a little like having septuplets. There's absolutely <laughs> no way I think that we could have handled one or two more. And he's not a bad kid. He's just active, and I'm just old and tired. And that's, you know. It's a bad combo. <laughs> it's not a good Tell me about it. I get it. Tell me about it. So how do you guys have, are there certain things that you do certain things that your wife does in caring or is it just whoever's on deck at the time there's a lot of the times it's usually whoever's on deck but there are some things i'm not a big fan of putting all the different lotions and stuff on them i I just hate that that feeling of the different lotions andrew had a bad rash a couple months ago and she did every single one there's some some days where she had to put three or four different lotions on at different times and she keeps track of the schedule and all that good stuff i do the yard work i don't mind getting out and doing that kind of stuff but um, then i'll do just about anything else with the boys let her do the, the lotions though my big deal was i'm going to make you this deal right now i will change as many dirty diapers as you want me to change if we can wait until the umbilical cord falls off. But I was completely <laughs> creeped out by that. I did not want to be anywhere near it. 
So she made that deal with me. Thankfully, I'm married to a nurse, so she was okay with it. She felt like she won that one. Yep. She's like, I yeah. see that every day. It's no big deal. That's interesting. She won many of them. She would admit she, that, though. She, well, that's probably true. I have a feeling she wins she does, plenty. Though, is she'll, she'll, once they bust out of a diaper, she'll clean that stuff up for me. Oh, see, now that's good. That's a, that's, that's a yeah. huge... That stuff <laughs> never bothered me as much. Uh, my wife just, I mean she doesn't like to change diapers anyway. Thank God we're past that point. But when it was a really bad poopy diaper, especially when it, you know, they all smell, but then some smell, smell, I could always, Hey, Hey, what? I can smell it. I know what's coming. I know. Can you help me? You know, we used to then joke. I'd be like, yes. Can I turn the TV when we get back then? Can I watch a Cubs game? Can I do something else? I mean, what do I get for this? She's like, well, you, you, you have a happy wife. I'm like, okay, that's, perfect let's that's better than the cubs game some days some days yes i mean but i got used to that it never really bothered me to change a really crappy diaper i just let's let's get in and get it done i, I don't want to smell it i want to just do it she would be like you know like oh i i like, had the Stop. weakest stomach on the planet until i became a dad <laughs> and i think you've heard the story we were this was back when twa was still in existence and they were in st louis and we were flying home to oklahoma to see family and Kyle started all started turning all different weird colors, and we knew something was about to happen. And so, just out of instinct, I could tell he was about to blow, and I dove in front of him and caught his throw <laughs> up in my hand. And I'm standing in the middle of the airport with this combination of baby food and breast milk. That's in right. Yep. <laughs> I remember this story. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, and I did. I didn't know what to do. But and then he had horrible reflux. And so we, you know, he would literally lose it at the table and I'd clean him up and come back and finish my cheeseburger. I mean, it was just amazing how it changed, you know, once, it, once it's your own. And people told me that that would happen. I thought, no, you're right. Gonna when it's your own, I yeah. wouldn't, I mean, if that happened to me in an airport, I'd be like, let's just clean it up. Let's move on. If it was me watching another family, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to be sick. If it's my kid, I wouldn't I have a problem that with that. But it's like, it's, isn't it kind of amazing how when it's your own child somehow it's maybe more acceptable whatever it happens to be than when it's somebody else's child yeah something kicks in for sure i mean it at least it did with me and i'm still kind of that way although i will say and i think that you've heard this story too it was blood has never bothered me Mm -hmm. now throw up has bothered me yet i could do that when he did that blood has never bothered me and we took kyle in for his first immunizations and they poked his leg and i saw his blood and I started getting lightheaded, and Karen said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And she went, no, no, you're not. Get out of this office and go get some fresh air. Just seeing my child's blood for the first time, I thought I was going to get sick. I was getting woozy. Now, by the time Matt came along, I'm like, I was just here. Well, yeah, but the second and third one, you become more acclimated to it. Is there anything with the twins that this time around you're like, that's not so bad? The first time you're like, oh, my gosh, what is this? You know, most of it, it hasn't been too bad. I think it's, it's been harder on my wife because it's her first, and mm-hmm. second, you know, and so she's completely new at it. And so all the things that I saw with, with Michael, it's second nature now to me. So the big question is, we all want to know, you have three. Are we done? <laughs> this is, this is always Mike's question. We're going to have four. We're going to have every, five. Yeah. Exactly. We gave up on Kevin. My grandma said the same thing. And I said, you know, I'm 38 years old right now. It'd be at least 39, 40 years old if I was going to have another one. Wow, She's like, that's... I had 
my seventh or sixth after I would say, you when know, I was 40 years old. You got plenty like you. of time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got my 40-year-old baby. And, yep. and he's the one that's the most active, and that's why I'm tired. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And we talked about a fourth, and Karen said, you really want to be the grandpa at the graduation? Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess I'm done. There you go. That's, that's it. Three. Makes so, a lot of sense. So you're not saying no. <laughs> this not is a maybe. no, but at the same time, you know, there's they're not even crawling yet. So if <laughs> once they start crawling... We want to see what that's like first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's assess at that point. Exactly. That makes sense. I get yeah. that. He's clearly smarter than I was. He, <laughs> well, I mean, he's got his priorities in order. He knows what he's doing. I get it. That's fine. Well, it amazes me. It, it, uh, how is the dynamic? Well, let's, let's shift this a little bit because someone who is remarried and has a, has a daughter, how has it been for your wife to be a stepmom? How was that transition for her? You know, she just took to it naturally you know she she came around when he was three and a half four years old and and he was just she was just katie to him mm-hmm. and it was just like this friend that came over and would talk to him and play with him and give him attention and and since then like he, he still goes to her first before he comes to me about certain things he now that her. won't change either. Yeah. They, when they find out which parent is the easiest one to get a yes from, my daughter will do that. She will. I mean, in the same room, I'll say, Camden, don't do that. You can't do that. And she will walk over to the other side of the room and say, Mom, Dad says I can't do that. And then Katie will laugh and be like, yes, you can't do that. Your dad said no. It's just so funny how she she thinks that if she doesn't get the answer she wants, I'll just go ask somebody else. Until I get it no three times. At some point, she's going to learn to not say, Dad said no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then just go ask because... That's Matt knows what question to ask which parent mm-hmm. to get the answer that he's looking for. Yeah, well, and I'm and usually the most uh, lenient one, I guess. <laughs> she's she's definitely will tell him no way faster than I will, and but he still goes to her first. He it's okay. You can say her. pushover or as dads, many of us are right. Sometimes we get it. <laughs> we Let's totally take a quick understand. break, and then on the other side of the break, I want to talk more about PBS. If you'd like more information or just more of the journey from dude to dad, you can find us online at journeytodad.com. On Instagram, we're also at Journey to Dad. And on Facebook, it's the journey from dude to dad. And now back to our special guest this episode, Michael Carton from WQPT Quad Cities Public Television. Welcome back to this episode of The Journey from Dude to Dad. I'm Mike Mickle along with Kevin Walker and our special guest, Michael Carton. He's a brave man. Three children at home, including a set of twins. Also, a big part of your life is working for an institution that helps us kind of raise our children and certainly at an early age help us educate our children. How did you get involved with WQPT and PBS? I started volunteering for them 15 years ago when they were still at Blackhawk and I was a student at Blackhawk and I volunteered at their pledge drives and at different events and stuff for them. over the years, I, you know, built great relationships with the folks that were working there. And one day they had a position open that was an education and outreach position. And I was a teacher and I love education and I love PBS. So it was a perfect match. And so made that switch to, to PBS. It's amazing. You know, and I know that funding has been cut at times, which I'm guessing has made things a little more challenging for public television. You know, are we, you weathering that storm? We've got a ton of great members. We've got thousands of 
members who come in and you know you hear that line at the end of every show it's brought to you by viewers like you and and people do they they call in and they donate money and we have some great fundraisers in our organization we write grants we do special projects we have special events like imagination station that actually raise money for us even though it's a completely free event for families here in the quad cities so um you know, it, it's like any nonprofit anywhere it's always a challenge but we, we do a pretty good job of um, building relationships and having people give back to us. Well, I mean, it is about relationships, especially with a nonprofit and one that is as well known. When you're educating children, I mean, there's, there's, it might, I mean, I'm not saying that it would be easy to raise money, but at the same time, it's hard to say, yeah, I'm not for, I don't support education for our, my child in those early years. I mean, we had talked earlier in the podcast, I'm amazed if I sit back and think about it, how much PBS it makes, it makes it sound like I just set my kid in front of the TV for the whole day, but she, she picks it and there are some shows she doesn't like, but the ones she does, she gets absorbed in. She's learning things. And like you said before about curious George, I just never really thought about like, well, what is it geared towards? Or I just think it's a funny show that my older daughter watched too, when she was little and we read some books and this and that, or but that there is a purpose to it that maybe mom and dad don't even really know what that is, but it's nonetheless, it's still something that is educating their children. I mean, are all the different shows, whether it's Pinkalicious or um, the like Wild Crafts comes to mind. That show, actually, there's things I learn every time I watch an episode. I learned like today, this morning was one about a king cobra and I didn't know that a mongoose could kill a cobra. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. My wife is like, you watching Wild Kratz again? Mm hmm. (laughs) Yep, we were. And she, I mean, she already knows where we get that when my daughter spouts off some animals statistics, she knows where she got it. That tells me that what you're doing is making a difference in children's lives across the Quad Cities. Yeah, I think the first time I really realized how powerful it is is I went to take a shower and my son was watching uh, Pig Plus Cat and a little bit later he comes up to me with a, a cylindrical pillow and he goes, look dad, it's a magic cylinder. I'm like, you're three and a half years old, where are you getting this at? And and then realized it was Pig Plus Cat. He, they had a, an episode where they were talking about shapes and, and a cylinder was one of them. And I think you mentioned that in one of your articles in QC Family Focus yeah. and, and I, think that's, I think that's fascinating. I will say, and I, you know, there were some of them that you, you have this moment as a parent where you go, when did this happen? Um, I can remember driving to Oklahoma and Kyle was a little over two and Kate was a newborn. And so we were trying to potty train Kyle and we were listening to Bear in the Big Blue House in our uh, minivan the week before, we'd been driving a sporty little car, had to trade it in because we had the two kids. And so all of a sudden, I've got my, my wife sitting across from me reading Better Homes and Gardens, <laughs> my newborn daughter asleep. I'm driving a minivan, and I hear, I hear Tutter, the little blue mouse, going, Bear! I got a poop. <laughs> when did this happen? When did this happen? This is your life. <laughs> yep, it sure is. That was just a really. That was. But isn't it funny in those moments too when that happens? You're like, what? What? This is my. It doesn't. 
you're like, yeah, this is my life. This is all right. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. You know, it's a shock. And then you go, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I it. mean, bear in the big blue house. I forgot about that show. That was a, a staple oh. in the old household when, when Caitlin was little. And yep. I mean, we, you're right. And we had the VHS tapes and we then had the DVDs and we had the plush and, you know, so she could play with him and, we still have the plush. You, I'm that you have the plush <laughs> I'm now. I'm that one. You know, a lot of those things, Karen will say, we don't need that anymore. Let's get rid of it. And I'm like, Kyle played with that for like two years. We're not throwing that away. So I've got it stuck in a closet oh, down nice. in the basement that she rarely goes into. So we don't have to get rid of it. But yeah, that's, you know, I think back to those days. And um, it's just, and then to look at them now. You know. Yeah. It just, it draws a strong bond and public television is one of the areas that can do that and people you know you hear all the time about uh, whether it's public radio or public television and funding and this and that and i think a lot of people just don't even give it a second thought because they just maybe they don't or their kids are now grown um what do you think is one of the most other than maybe fundraising what are some of the challenges of of what you do i guess uh for me it's reaching lots of different audiences um, obviously working with kids is a huge one but you know you've got the early childhood you got the little kids two to five years old and then you got the school age kids that we're working with and we have resources for junior high and high school and for adults and everything else so we trying to reach all of our audiences right now I'm working on country music which is a Ken Burns documentary that's obviously not for little kids but you know we still want to reach the audience that that Ken Burns is trying to reach. I want to watch it. It does look pretty good. Yeah. And I mean, you make a point that, and I don't know where it was in my life, having worked in commercial radio for years, you've worked in television for years, we own our own businesses. I don't know if it's a sign of maturity or getting older, but I, I watch more public television at night. I listen to more public radio during the day. Maybe it's because I don't need to hear the same song for the 10,000th time on the radio, but I attribute it to wanting to know more about my world, wanting to know more about the Quad Cities, wanting to just, I don't know, whether it is watching the American experience, when the, like when all the Apollo stuff was on. Yeah. I mean, I watched lots and lots of stuff on public TV, and it was fascinating to me because it's done in a way that it's like, to me, it's like 60 minutes on steroids because it's just so well done, whether it's Ken Burns or American Experience or other things that just you just don't get anywhere else yeah we're able to take the time and, and actually make sure that it's educational and it's not necessarily just to entertain we're not there to try to sell advertisements we're there to educate as well as entertain and so um it's a unique situation there where we can we can get programs that other stations could never air because they wouldn't be able to find the advertisers to, to air it well and it's one of those stations that it's always age appropriate you know, it's that sure. channel is, you know, there's always something on there that's age appropriate. And I, I love that. about it. That's true. I mean, and, and you're right. You really can't say that anymore necessarily about network television. And you haven't been able to say that for many, many years. There's lots of violence. I mean, granted, I love a good cop show, but my five-year-old doesn't need to see that. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of stuff on there that I'll watch. Mm-hmm. But when the kids were younger, I certainly didn't want them to watch it. Yeah, no, There's that's still true. some things that I wish they weren't watching, but I don't have a, you know, 21, 19, and 16. I, yeah, at some point you have to give up on that, yeah, I suppose. No, I did. Because it, otherwise it will, like, get your blood pressure up. I mean, it just, 
you know, I mean, I've learned that. I mean, again, you've been through it a couple times now having an 18 year old going to college. I have really tried hard to be like supportive yet, not secondary. Like I'm going to just quit being your dad, but I, I seem to get a lot farther with her now if I'm not constantly giving her advice or giving her my opinion when it's solicited when she says dad what do you think about this she really actually means that and should that's when she's yep. going to listen and I'm like wow I've got your actual attention now unlike when you were 14 and I had your attention because I said I'm your dad that's why I've got your attention now wow I'm like you really want my opinion okay sure they're conversations now yeah they're not mandates not mm-hmm. you know they're just they're conversations and to you know, to have them call me and talk about their day or something cool that happened or, you know, to send me a link to a write-up that Kyle was in for the University of Iowa uh, and just to be able to say, congratulations, you're doing great things, keep it up, you know. He doesn't need any advice at this point. When he does, he will come and ask me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I like that balance. So as we start to wrap up here, what advice do you have for those dudes out there that are contemplating becoming a dad or about to become a dad? You know, I think uh, my advice would be to just enjoy the moment, live in that moment, and, you know, make sure that you, your spouse knows that you appreciate her because, you know, they're they're your biggest ally right there. And, and I love that I learned early on to not enjoy the moments, enjoy the moment, you know, because each one can be special in its own way. And... They pass too quickly. You know, it seems like, the, as they say, the days are long, but the years fly by. And we're definitely experiencing that in the Michael mm-hmm. House. Yeah. So, Michael Carton, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's another episode of The Journey from Dude to Dad. And there you have it, another installment of The Journey from Dude to Dad. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out The Journey from Dude to Dad on Facebook or Journey to Dad on Instagram. And last but not least, check out our video blog at journeytodad.com.